the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Okay. Uh, we're getting an echo there, Sean. I'm getting an echo from you. Hi, everybody. I'm in Phoenix, so we always have the technical stuff. As uh, man, I'm still getting that echo. And I am with you in one moment, everybody. All right, I hope I am, but I... All right, look, I'll just have to take my earphones out because I can't hear me with an echo. Okay, all, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. And the, uh, I tell you folks, it is a challenge for me every day when I bring to you the news of what is happening in America. All I ask you to do is fight. Uh, And the very beginning uh, is do not despair. That is the most important thing. I did a a most interesting, uh, a most interesting uh, show on the issue of it being a sin to despair. And that's, that's the way in which I need you to look at things. I have a report here. For example, American Express has become one of the most woke of our, uh, of our entire businesses in the country. You know, I've been a member since I was in my 20s. <laughs> member, I, such a funny thing. I, I bought their jargon. And I remember I was 25 years old, and I got an American Express card. And I, I was so proud that I had done so. I felt like, you know, I, I was a man now. I was a grown-up, which, by the way, is a very good thing for all kids to want to be a grown-up. And... I got my green American Express card, and I have it ever since, so I now have it, what do I have it, 40-something years. And I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to do what some of the anti-war people did in, in my era when they would burn their draft card. I'm, I'm tempted to burn my American Express card. <laughs> uh, all, all, all it does is... Uh, do bad now, American Express. They've been taken over by radicals, by nihilists, by people who hate our country, hate this country, hate everything it stands for. It's called American Express. It's, where's the article from here? It's from uh, Just the News. American Express goes woke, promotes left's priorities on climate race border. My friends, the climate issue is an excuse to give government more and more power. It is an ex- it is a, it's a, some romantic idea. It's, it's based on 
on gobbledygook that we could live on wind and solar live on wind and solar power where where is that happening in the world where is that happening france gets 60 percent of its electricity from nuclear power the very fact that they are opposed to nuclear power as i tell you so often proves they're not serious about climate change they're serious about revolution American Express is increasingly embracing an investing movement that pressures companies to adopt left-wing political causes, building on a recent history of the credit card giant promoting woke ideas rebuked by critics as divisive. American Express prioritizes so-called social justice initiatives and efforts to combat climate change as central pillars of the company's future. And it donates to advocacy groups supportive of illegal immigration. That proves it hates the country. If you're for open borders, you want the end of the United States. You want the end of any country. If you're open borders in Romania, you're, you're for the end of Romania. Except not that many people are trying to get into Romania. Although now that I think of it, probably from the Middle East, a, a lot of people would want to go to Romania. Well, they would see that as a conduit to going to Western Europe, I guess. Environmental, social, and governance. It's called ESG investing. It's based on the concept that investors should use these three categories when evaluating where to put their money, prioritizing progressive values, and social responsibility when making financial decisions. So that's American Express It has publicly championed ESG and touts that support to investors in its new report. At American Express, our ESG mission is to back people and businesses to thrive and create equitable, resilient, and sustainable communities globally. What does that even mean? (laughs) We seek to mobilize our business to address pressing global challenges and deliver high-impact initiatives to serve our colleagues, customers, and communities. This is all word salad, as they say, but it just hides the radical agenda. In May, American Express issued its inaugural $1 billion ESG bond to finance a range of green and social projects as part of the company's ESG strategy. Oh, my God. $4 billion from 2020 to 2025 on the promotion of diversity, equity, and inclusion throughout society. This is, this is quite something. Some of the related goals include 100% pay equity across genders. Across genders. The speed with which the human race is no longer divided between male and female, you got to admit it's breathtaking. Five hundred million dollars in the next in these past we're in the middle of this four-year project about underrepresented groups, and and another pillar is climate change, of course, focused on advancing solutions that address the climate crisis. By minimizing our carbon footprint. Well, well. Anyway, just I don't know what to tell you to do. I certainly don't. Uh, I I wouldn't take my kids to Disneyland or Disney World. 
my, my, my orders of priorities are generally that the abolition of male and female is the number one issue, along with the affirmation of kids in a new gender or non-gender identity. As at Boston Children's Hospital and at the, uh, and I played for you an, another, another spokeswoman I forgot which. It, it, there are too many hospitals that, are, that have signed on on this. Yes, this is, uh, this is America and today. By the way, it's only America. I read to you yesterday that in the United Kingdom, they're closing down their biggest uh, youth affirmation hospital program uh, to affirm kids in their new gender identity. It is only America. Maybe Canada as well. I don't know. Canada is too busy becoming a police state. I'm not sure how much it's working on this issue. And yet, there is, uh, there is this uh, inability to get people to stop voting Democrat. There is no amount of damage the left can do that would have most Democrats, that would have even maybe 15% of Democrats change over to Republican. I have a, I have a question. I'm here in Arizona. And I, I passed a sign for Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake is running for governor of a Republican candidate for governor of Arizona. Is that right? Is Carrie Lake the governor, gubernatorial candidate or the, uh, or the senatorial candidate? I'm going I'm to have to figure that out because I want to I tell you about the sign. And Sean, you're with me, right? Okay. Am I on, Sean? Okay, good. Okay. All right, Carrie Lake. Let's see here. Hmm. There we go. Spelled her name. Gubernatorial. That's what I thought. Usually you should go with your first hunch. Oh, yeah, of course. I know. <laughs> How did I make that mistake? Big fan of the senatorial candidate. Anyway, she's running for governor in here in Arizona. So the sign was vote, vote, vote for Carrie Lake, and it's and there are two pictures on the sign of equal uh, of equal length. There, there was a sign. Half the sign is a picture of her, and half the sign is a picture of Donald Trump. So call in. I am curious, especially if you're in Arizona, but I, I am curious. Is that effective? In, in a primary, I could see it as effective. Is it effective in a general election? Vote for me, you get Donald Trump. 1-8 Prager 776. The Dennis Prager Show. Dennis Prager here to share a product that can help keep everyone more healthy. Cofix RX. Most of us know that viruses of all types are a part of life. What we don't always know are the right products that could be protecting us. So I'd like to tell you about Cofix RX and its doctor-approved secret ingredient. As a safety measure, many doctors and nurses have been using iodine to swab their noses for decades. Iodine has been in use since 1811, and 96% of us are iodine deficient. 
using Cofix RX antiviral nasal spray with povidone iodine is a smart way to stay healthy. Cofix RX is made right here in the USA. It's simple to use. You spray it up your nose and the iodine destroys germs and pathogens where they multiply in the nasal cavity. Check out CofixRx.com, that's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com, for a retailer near you, or use the coupon code PRAGER for 20% off at CofixRx.com. Hey everybody, Dennis Prager here. This is a fundraising month, and it uh, coming to the end of August incredibly, but I... Uh, I want you to know that whatever you give from now till the end of August to, to Prager you to help us touch the minds and hearts of millions and especially people is tripled. Whatever you give is tripled. You give $100, it's $300. Some really uh, generous donors in that regard, and we are very grateful. So I, ha- I have this question, and I, I'm very curious to, to hear your response to this. So Carrie Lake is running for governor of Arizona. I'm in Arizona, and I see uh, a, a big poster on Camelback Road, a major road here in Phoenix, and it's Carrie Lake for governor, and half the picture is Donald Trump, and half the picture is Carrie Lake. My 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 take, and I, I'm I'm not certain that I'm right, but my take is that since the Trump supporters are already going to vote for her, presumably, you need to win by reaching out to people who are independents or Republicans who are ambivalent about Donald Trump. For the record, I thought he was the greatest president since Abraham Lincoln, but. I am not fixated on him. I am fixated on the left, which is the greatest mistake Republicans everywhere are making. They are running against their opponent. They are not running against the Democratic Party. It is a colossal error, and I I must admit it frustrates me terribly. This is what you get, voters, when you vote for a Democrat. It is irrelevant if my opponent is a nice guy or a nice woman. It is irrelevant. He or she will damage this country irreparably. Look at what the teachers' unions have done. Is my is my opponent a, a an opponent of the teachers' unions? Look at what the they're doing to children today. Has my opponent ever spoken out uh, against affirmation of five year olds getting getting uh, hormones, or ten year olds getting hormones, or thirteen year olds getting hormones? What does my opponent say about that? Has my opponent uh, opposed the staggering spending that is causing this inflation? What does my opponent say about America going from energy independent to going to energy dependence? Do you know why you are in the midst of an inflation? It's because of the Democratic Party. My whole party unanimously voted against their bills that created inflation. Did he? Did she? Wouldn't that, I don't understand why that is not regarded as, the, as, as a better way to, 
to fight an opponent in an election. But I do wonder, is is showing half the poster Donald Trump and half the poster the candidate, even, even if Donald Trump were not the lightning rod that he is, wouldn't that wouldn't that sort of convey a message i am not my own person is it a strong message when half your poster is somebody else i may be wrong by the way i pray i'm wrong i want her to win i want every republican to win but uh, i i'd like whose idea was that Sean, send me the Zoom link here because I'm very interested in getting people's opinions uh, on this very subject. Okay. Uh, You did indeed. Well, bless your soul. Uh, I want people to, to think of the... The Republican who is running as her own person, and I I don't know if that is the message that is conveyed. Oh boy, I tell you what, uh, we're we're really in a a state here. Sean, it says, please wait for the host to start this meeting, so there's not much I can do. Okay, now there's much I can do. All right, hallelujah, very good. All right, let's hear from uh, Prescott, Arizona, and Kurt. Hi, Kurt. Dennis Prager, it is an absolute honor to talk to you. Uh, Thank you. I have to tell you, I listened to you on KBC in Los Angeles, and I was pleasantly surprised when I got to the local radio station and you were here, and I listened to you every day. Thank Um, you very much. I I think in Arizona, I can tell you in Yavapaya County here, that that is not a negative on her. This is Trump territory. The people here still have Trump rallies every Tuesday downtown. <laughs> so I don't know about down in Maricopa County, but um, most of Arizona, I think, is going to support the heck out of her. And I, I voted for her in the primary, and I intend on voting for her. Right. So, so okay. So, my, my, of course, in the primary, it makes perfect sense. I, I am endorsed by Donald Trump is a very powerful thing for most Republicans. Not a, not a question. My question is, in the general election, is it a good idea? What do you think? I am very curious. I, I honestly believe that she's going to get elected. I don't think it's going to hinder her at all. Um, does, do, all right, does it help? Independence, I think it does. I absolutely think it does. And because I, I actually what, kind of because I'm pretty sure I I think that this state supports Trump. I, I actually okay. think he won uh-huh. the state. I don't, I don't know for sure, well, but I, I think right. I think he won the state. <laughs> Especially after watching 2000 Mules. Yeah, no, no, that believe me, I un, I understand that. All right, listen, thank you very much. I'm very curious. We have uh Let's see, there's an interesting, uh, it's a very uh, interesting question that Mike in El Segundo, California has. Hi, Mike. Hi, Dennis. After watching the election campaign of Larry Elder um, for governor in the recall, Gavin Newsom campaign here in California, and how the Democrats just 
totally smeared him, saying he's the same as Dennis Prager. And then, of course, you have the Los Angeles Times smearing him as the white face of um, black, excuse black, me, black face. White yeah. supremacy. Thank you. Um, and Larry Elders, we all know, I've been listening to him and you since, you know, KBC. For, I've listened to you since your show began, okay, the 1980s, I believe. Anyway, so religion on the line, et cetera. So the point is that the Democrats have been demonizing Donald Trump for five years now. They've been smearing him. Right. So uh, all I'm asking is that song. That's all. I I know that they have. Well, here's my question for you is I wasn't clear the way you described it. If that was a Democrat sign attached uh to Larry Lake. All right. Okay. So here, I got to take a break. But the very fact that you're asking the question mean you're not sure it's a good idea for Carrie Lake. Rising interest rates, stock volatility, out-of-control inflation. People are concerned about what the future holds financially. This is Dennis Prager for AmFed Coin and Bullion. There's no better time than the present to move a portion of your IRA into precious metals. Gold and silver IRAs are more popular than ever, and dealers are advertising heavily for your business. You should know there's a right and a wrong way to set up your precious metals IRA. Mistakes could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars in IRS fines. Nick Grovich. Man, I completely trust. Owner of AmFed Coin and Bullion has agreed to send you a concise report about how to set up your IRA and how to get the best bang for your buck. Nick and his team will be happy to help you set up your precious metals IRA or review your current account. Call AmFed Coin and Bullion, 800-221-7694 for your free IRA report and all your precious metals needs. AmericanFederal.com. That's AmericanFederal.com. I'm going to be having Carrie Lake on, and I am a big supporter. The The need to have Republicans in office is, is an, an issue that's existential. Global warming is not an existential threat. The Democrats and the left are an existential threat to America. The left is an existential threat to the West. When I was in Minneapolis recently, uh, I met this uh, remarkable woman, Cicely Davis, She's a candidate for Congress. She won the nomination in the Republican Party. She's running against uh, a, a, I have to choose my adjectives carefully, an America-hating Democrat, Ilan Omar. In Minneapolis's 5th District, Sicily, first of all, congratulations on the, on the nomination, and it's great to see you. Thank you, Dennis. It's an honor to join you. Thank you. Wonderful. So I I am so curious. Give me, if you would, the demographic makeup of District 5, because I'm trying to picture who would vote for such an an angry, hate-filled woman. Is is it... uh, is it an ethnic issue? Explain to me your district. I love this leadoff question. This is fantastic. And I love to, this is always surprising people. So CD5, all the districts in Minnesota are 717 to 718,000 people. Congressional District 5 is 63% white. Okay. Somalis and blacks combined only make up 16% of the district. Okay. 16? And so 16. It, that's it. So we have 7% Somali community. The other 9% is the black community, correct? And then the rest is dispersed between other ethnicities. So this district, 
unlike what most people think, is not heavily Somali. That's not who voted her in. White progressives have voted Ilhan in. That's actually how she got in. White um, progressive guilt. Wow. I, yes. I, I don't even know. I find the guilt question uh, complex. You may be right. Uh, and, of course, in the final analysis, it only matters what people do, not their motives. Uh, I think it's where I think they're brainwashed at college, frankly. I, I, I don't even know. Anyway, what if, what's their guilt with regard to a woman whose life was saved by America fleeing Somalia? this is about checking boxes you know i feel like a good person because i voted for a woman i feel like a good person a good white person because i voted for someone of a different ethnic background than i voted for a somali woman um and so i'm voting for intersectionality and so i therefore look at me look how unracist i am look at how much of a do-gooder i am because i voted outside of my own demographic and I can therefore, you know, walk around and say that I am a good person because of look who I chose to put in office. Look at me. God, you're eloquent. That is that 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 is such a good point. So when you give a a stump speech as they call it in politics, to whom are you generally now speaking? Are you are you able to communicate to these whites? I am. And so now, because um, in the primary, she narrowly escaped the primary with little over, skimpily over 2% of the vote, um, we talk about crime. And I talk about crime in that if you are not safer, if you're not safer than you were two years prior, if there is an existing soaring murder rate in this district, then you need to vote differently. If your dollar buys less, If you are someone who punches a clock and you have to make a distinction between gas or groceries, then I am your candidate. If you want something different, you're going to have to do something different, and then you therefore will have to vote differently. This resonates with literally everyone, no matter how you identify politically. Your dollar is simply buying less. We do have a soaring murder rate. Lawlessness has completely taken over this district, and particularly Minneapolis, and Education with regard to literacy rates and graduation rates in this district is an embarrassment. And so that's who I'm speaking to. That's what's resonating with the people. How do, how do people help you? They help me by getting out the vote. Um, we have to make sure that we are knocking on doors and make sure that people understand that there is a viable um, candidate out there who actually cares about the people, who actually has a pulse on what the people of this district actually care about, um, who understands that businesses are being driven out with no promise All to right. return. Sicily, I'm going to come back to you in a moment. I got to break. I got to. This is a remarkable woman, and I failed to mention because in this case it's relevant. She's black, and she, uh, I guess. The guilt crowd might uh, might find that uh, okay. 
Towels just don't seem to dry you anymore. They feel soft and lotiony in the store, but you get them home and they don't absorb. Well, Mike Lindell at My Pillow found that out around 2006, and towels changed forever. He found the best towel company right here in the USA. They have proprietary technology to create towels that feel soft but actually work. And that happens to be true. I use them. They are all made with USA cotton, and they come with the MyPillow 60-day money-back guarantee. Six-piece set, two bath, two hand towels, two washcloths. Regularly $109.99, now $39.99. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the towels, by entering the promo code Prager, or call 800-761-6302 for these great radio specials. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. Hello, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. Cicely Davis is the Republican candidate for the 5th District in Minnesota, Minneapolis specifically. She's running against Elon Omar. It is, it is absolutely fascinating to me that the great majority of the district are whites. And they're the people who vote voted for the America-hating Ilan Omar. Ilan Omar represents to me the ugliest of the human traits. She's an ingrate. That woman should be singing the national anthem every day for what this country has done for her and her family in fleeing Somalia to come here. He doesn't get lower than that human being, and, and, and amazingly, or not amazingly, but re- worthy of remark, remarkably, our candidate is the opposite, loves this country, is a, is a happy, grateful, articulate woman, and the fact that she's black, maybe that will enable all these whites, as you say, Sicily, with guilt. I mean, that we have even come to this is so, is so awful. That these these things matter. Uh, uh, Sean, you just put me on an echo. Sorry, we're good now. And uh, I I think that you may turn things around. How how are you being received? Very well, in fact. Um, What we have is um, what we call soft Democrats and independents who are recognizing that their families are not safe, that they have to come up with excuses to even come to Minneapolis. And when they do, they are on edge. Um, They're recognizing, again, that they are being stressed out and strung out over the dollar and that they are recognizing that their future is grim. Minneapolis is not at all what it used to be. And um, we're recognizing now that it's because of the direct leadership and policies and decisions that have been made by progressive leaders, the Minneapolis City Council and Ilhan Omar. Well, that's that's why I say, and uh, I I don't know if you're doing this. I hope you are. I, I although in the case of Elon Omar, she is so self-destructive on her own. You may not have to do this, but I beg Republican candidates to remind people that when you vote for candidate X or Y or Z, who is a Democrat, you are voting for the left. And, and the progressives and what they are doing to the country and to children and to schools and to the economy, it's not just Elon Omar. Is that part of your message? 
Absolutely. Being immune to her brand of identity politics, helping people understand that it is leftism that has completely hijacked um, liberals in this district. And so getting people to fully understand her voting record, um, getting people to fully understand that it is literally leftism that has this district on decline, the decision making that has... We are suffering, literally suffering under massive leadership failure because of progressive left policy. She has been, as your word, remarkably ineffective um, in being a leader. And think about this. CD5, Congressional District 5, Minnesota, right out of Minneapolis, is absolutely ground zero for the defund the police mantra. It is Ilhan Omar who said that the Minneapolis police was rotten to the root and needs to be completely dismantled. And she touted the defund the police. And so the optics of those black and whites leaving that precinct started the unrest across the country in 2020. That came out of this district, that came out of this city, that came from the mouth of Ilhan Omar. And so I feel an obligation to lead people to make a change. We can change the narrative out of this district and we can put down um, right now with her vulnerability, leftism. Take any issue, Ilhan Omar is on the wrong side of it, and it is absolutely leftism that has us screaming. But I'm telling you, there is an awakening that's happening, um, and we can turn this around. We just simply have to put this country first, and you have to get out and support conservative Republican candidates. God, you're good. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's just evil, Where did they- period. Where- where did they find you? What what have you been doing until now uh, professionally? Sure, thank you for asking. I'm I have a master's in health administration. Um, I supported um, previous candidates in the last election cycle including the person who opposed her in the last election cycle. I was the chair of my Senate district here in Minneapolis. Um, I I was also the state director for Blexit Minnesota as well, so I'm not new. And I understand because I've lived in Minneapolis, I'm from this district, I understand what the people care about. And Ilhan Omar does not represent what Minneapolis is all about or the people of this district. And so the people want a champion, someone who can actually let them know It's actually okay to love America, to want nice things for your families, and at the same time want to curb a soaring murder rate um, without addressing, um, embracing progressive, far-left, evil policies. And that's what they're starting to learn now. Change is wanted, and it is here. I just need everyone to get to the polls and vote. Do you have a website where people can contribute to you? I do. It's CicelyDavis.com. I spell it with a C, C I C E L Y, Davis.com. I'm contributing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I sit here. Are are you two going to debate? I'm calling her out for a debate. Um, The previous opposer for Ilhan Omar called her out four times. She didn't answer. I am absolutely calling Ilhan Omar out for debate because she needs to answer. Um, to this defund the police mantra. She needs to answer to a six-year-old that's jumping on a a trampoline and catches a stray bullet. She needs to answer to the fact that yesterday, a six-year-old was shot by riding her bike in one of the boroughs here in Minneapolis. She needs to answer to those questions. She needs to answer for the financial decision that she has made. And she needs to answer to the demise overall of Minneapolis and the people of this district. I'm absolutely calling her out for debate. 
I think can't you'll wait. Win. I really do think <laughs> you'll win. CicelyDavis.com. It's with a C. C I T E L Y Davis.com. Cicely, I'll be back with you. You're, you are truly fresh air in this country at this time, and it's ground zero, your district, of the demise of this ground country. Zero. Bless you. Hey, everybody, I got a very interesting headline for you here. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona, where it is truly hot, I will admit. I've been in a lot of places this summer, including Florida, but so far takes uh, this make, takes the cake, as they say. Beverly Hills, a Beverly Hills, California boutique, has banned masks. See, folks, I'm not I'm not being cute. There are reasons for optimism. That is a reason for optimism. The reason for the ban is sad, but the, that they are doing it is a very good thing. Uh, masks are another example of if they of not only something useless; they were harmful, like the lockdowns. They were not just useless; they were harmful, and the. The data will come in one day when truth is allowed and not suppressed, and we'll find out how useful the vaccine was. But with regard to the lockdowns and masks, the the consequences were so much worse than than what they were fighting. What was done to children for nearly two years depriving them of social interaction, masking two-year-olds on airplanes, otherwise the family gets thrown off the plane. These things were truly evil. So Beverly Hills, it's called Kitson, K-I-T-S-O-N, a boutique. This is from NBC LA. Beverly Hills Kitson Boutique bans masks, citing robbery fears. Signs have been posted on the storefront telling potential customers of the change, saying, due to the safety of our staff and assets of the store, we do not allow the wearing of face masks. Thank you. Oh, man, I would, I would like to patronize this store just for that. The owner of Kitson... Fraser Ross says that he's made the decision for the safety of store employees and claims a disturbing trend in that part of Beverly Hills prompted the change. In July, a smash-and-grab burglary took place at the Chanel store around the corner from Robertson Boulevard, where Kitson is located. Ross said that as a result of the recent uptick in crime, customers will not be allowed to wear a mask when entering his shop. That's very interesting. So the, the question is, what will happen? If you have a flash mob coming in with masks on, what are you going to do? Please take your masks off before you rob my store or beat up any one of my employees. Please remove your mask. Well, it would be interesting to see what uh, what happens in that regard. 
I guess you would have to have a guard out front would say, please take your mask off. And if they don't, the, the guard would physically prevent the person from entering the store. I, I would imagine that that is the only way to actually enforce the thing. Yesterday, I was at the Los Angeles International Airport, which being in L.A. County still has the rule that you have to wear a mask. I would say maybe 15% of the people there were wearing masks. 85% were not. And I, I remember hearing the announcement, you know, the recorded announcement You are obligated to wear a mask at Los Angeles International Airport except when actively involved in eating or drinking. So 85% of the people had utter contempt for that announcement. I had such contempt for it that I was literally the only person at times at LAX half a year ago not wearing a mask. Literally the only person that I could see there. No one ever said anything to me except on four occasions in four different airports when it was universal in America that you had to wear a mask at an airport. And on four occasions in four different airports, police came over to me. And in each case, they came over to tell me how much they appreciated my work. In most cases of the four, they would say, I love you. I get a lot of love from men. I wish other people had the courage to do what I did. I'm not praising me. I'm lamenting the non-universality, or if you will, the, the rarity of courage. I have a thought, though, on the fact that 85% of the people at Los Angeles International Airport last night had, uh, had a derision for Barbara Ferrer, uh, this this incompetent, irresponsible, power-loving head of health in uh, L.A. County. So I'm wondering, when 85% of people disregard an announcement, what will happen next time? So here, I don't, I don't know the answer. This is a question that I'm posing. Part of me is happy that L.A. County still demands that people wear masks because the vast majority of people have contempt for the message. Now, when people get used to having contempt for a governmental message, I, I don't know that that doesn't carry over to the next time. Why wouldn't it? People are practicing independence. It becomes addictive. When you start to be free and like it, you won't allow the freedom to be taken quite as quickly as Americans allowed when they were sucker-punched into lockdowns and masks two years ago, two and a half years ago. It was a sucker-punch out of nowhere. 
flatten the curve, and then go back to work. Two years it'll take. Did anybody know that? So I, I don't know the answer, but I believe that when people get used to having contempt for people like Barbara Ferrer, and as they should for virtually all health officials in this country, it is a crackpot profession, apparently. I didn't know that. I had no opinion on public health as a as a as a an undergraduate or graduate specialty. It sounded nice. Who who's against public health? It turns out it's like schools of education. It produces foolish people who do great harm. Schools of education are much worse than worthless, and I now think of I now think of that with regard to epidemiology and public health. They produce fools. I don't know why, but it, if, you, if we learn nothing from the last two years, then we have suffered in vain. It's an interesting question I'd like to pose to you. Did you learn anything about America, about freedom, about yourself, about friends, Did you learn anything big in the last two years? I did, and I've kept sharing them with you. The obedience to irrational, irrational authority, that was the biggest of all for me. The willingness of Americans, the people I thought treasured liberty, to give up liberty in the name of health uber alles, health above all. The authority said X, I will do X. I remember asking a question, why did they shut down restaurants when I could eat on an air? Why didn't more Americans ask that question? I can't sit t- t- 10, 15 feet from another diner in a restaurant but I can sit six inches from another diner on an airplane? How many and how many restaurants closed as a result? 1-8 Prager 776. The store in this this, uh, wealthy or upscale, not wealthy, upscale boutique in Beverly Hills is now banning Banning masks. We've gone from you have to wear a mask to enter in six months (laughs) to you're banned if you wear it. I love it. I love it. The harm it does socially. I want to tell everybody I pass in L.A. wearing a mask. Do you understand the harm you are doing to society by wearing that? I don't, of course. You're harming society when people can't see faces. The human relationship declines. It's actually a selfish act. You may think you're protecting others. You're actually hurting others. You don't mean to hurt others. But what people mean to do is so irrelevant in life. 
Very few people wake up and want to do bad. Like the woman from Yale that I called a bad human being yesterday. This 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 gender affirming child ruining woman at Yale. So I asked you it's it's a very interesting question about uh, what you've learned in the last two years. It's a biggie. And I have learned that my beloved fellow Americans, half of them, will obey irrational authority at the drop of a hat. Uh, it's not been easy for me to assimilate, but I have to be a big boy and understand that uh, that that is the case. Oh boy, let's see here. Okay, let's go. I I, I want to talk to you. Well, you know what? I'm gonna take calls in a moment. I right now I want to tell you about the. The American Academy of Pediatrics, another medical association that has become disgusting, disgusting, like the American Medical Association, the American Psychiatric Association, the American Psychological Association, like American Express, they they are there to harm people. The purpose of the American Academy of Pediatrics is to hurt children. I know. It's beyond belief, isn't it? Remember, everything the left touches, it destroys. And it has taken over the American Academy of Pediatrics. This is a a piece, by the way, in the Wall Street Journal. As other countries turn away from hormones and surgery, the AAP won't even allow a debate. Wow. They published, rather, a study, the American... Academy of Pediatrics by a uh, a man named Jack Turbin and colleagues in pediatrics. That is, pediatrics is the journal. It's the flagship journal of the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's been taken over by leftists who don't care about children or truth. Claims that social influence isn't the reason that as many as 9% of America's youth now call themselves transgender. By the way, is that true? One out of 10 kids now thinks that he or she is a transgender? But even, even if it's 1%, what percent was it 15 years ago, 100 years ago? It was negligible. It was, it was basically zero. And you're telling me it isn't social influence that's causing this? You are prepared to lie in the journal called Pediatrics and not allow a debate on the issue at the American Academy of Pediatrics? Wow. Dr. Turbin argues that efforts in conservative states to regulate on-demand puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgery must be resisted. Doctors against humans. Is he the head of that group? Mm. 
There are so many candidates for that group among medical doctors that it's very hard to say. The The authors of this piece, in the uh, one of them is a pediatrician himself, a Dr. Mason. Julia Mason. God, we got to have her on, Alan. We have to have Julia, Dr. Julia Mason on the show. Hmm. The AAP has been giving Dr. Turbin a platform for years despite the mistakes that plague his research. Pediatrics published, get this one, his highly flawed 2020 study alleging that puberty blockers reduce suicide in teens. The journal even chose the article as its best of 2020 despite receiving rebuttals that pointed out that the rate of attempted suicide was twice as high among the puberty block group. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that'll make a kid happy. That's right. Hey, Sophia, you take this puberty blocker because you, you don't want breast and you don't want to menstruate. And you... you, 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 you you're okay with doing permanent potential harm to your potentially permanent harm to your body and to your reproductive system because you got it into your brain that you're a boy. Yeah. Any other girls have that idea in the history of the United States or for that matter, Hungary, Romania, Botswana, See the film What is a What is a Woman? There's a great scene there where the movie maker for Daily Wire asks members of the Maasai tribe in Kenya, "What is a woman?" and they they all laugh at him. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. And uh, wouldn't you know it, just as we get ready, I spilled some coffee. Isn't it amazing how much a con- uh, one glass holds? I'm always amazed by that. Folks, this is fundraising month for PragerU. We are really doing good work, and you need you need to help us. And I have one of those who does a, a donor to PragerU on. I I alternate between donors, parents, and uh, Prager Force young people. I have Mark Shavitz. He is a donor to Prager U. He lives in Las Vegas. He drives uh, vets who can't drive to the VA. He's a good man. He comes from a very liberal family. And he's making his national radio debut. I established that right before we went on. You can see him, though, by the way, at the Salem News Channel. You can see me, uh, and, of course, you can see my guests. So, Mark, when did you move to Vegas? You you came, You come from Chicago. I don't like to admit that, but yes. Um, we retired in 99. We bought a motorhome, traveled this great country, and we found a place outside of Vegas in 2003, 
and moved here uh, and built a house in 2007. Wow. You were ahead of the curve, I'll tell you that. Are your relatives still in Chicago? Yes. And do they believe that their city is deteriorating? No. They won't acknowledge it. They, we were just there this last weekend for a wedding, and you cannot talk to them, as you had just mentioned a few minutes earlier. Um, they deny it. They just will not recognize it. They will just not admit what's happening to their city. Uh, Chicago has had a bad reputation for a lot of years, but surely in the last four, five, six, ten years, yeah, it's degenerated terribly, and they don't like to admit. Now, they do live in the suburbs, so they're somewhat insulated, but no, um, they not only won't admit it, they won't have a conversation about it. Yeah, I guess that's 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 the way they deal with it. They won't talk about it, and they won't admit it. That's why I asked you the question. Is reality a difference, not an opinion difference left and right? People living in a Chicago suburb won't acknowledge the staggering amount of slaughter in Chicago, the lack of tourism because people are afraid to visit, but uh, they won't, as you say, they won't talk to you about it. How, how, how does your family regard you? I don't know if I can say it on the radio, Dennis. <laughs> That's hilarious. That is truly funny. Uh, I'm an out. Uh, I'm a definite outcast, definite outcast and uh, they look at me uh, very suspect, and they, they often think I'm just crazy. Yes, that's really something. You're crazy. Well, in your craziness, which means non-leftism, you, you came across PragerU. How did you discover us? Interesting story. I attended a Prager event a couple years ago, and I had the good fortune to meet a man there who I had a great conversation with and have since read a lot of his books and listened to a number of his lectures. And um, I now consider him the wisest man I have ever met in my 72 years, which includes my rabbis and my parents, which is a heck of a compliment. And we talked about everything that was going on in the world and the government and the problems we were having in the schools and the media and the frustration my wife and I had. We've been good citizens. We've tried to help in our own way. And we just weren't accomplishing much. And so uh, this gentleman said, you know, there are three kind of people in the world. When it comes to problems, though. And he said, uh, one, unfortunately, the majority of people don't do anything. And he said, the second group, he says, they do everything. They do the hard lifting. They jump in there. They're the creative thinkers. They make things happen no matter what. They put their heart and soul in it. And those are the Prager U's, the Hillsdale Colleges, the Patriot Academies. And then he said, and there's the third group. And he says, they're very important. He says, because without 
the third group, the second group, can't be successful. And those are the people who donate and, and support. Good. The All right, hold on there. You are a joy. I think I know who you're talking about, but I'm self-conscious about saying it. We'll be back in a moment. I'm speaking to a, an independent man, Mark Shavitz, in Las Vegas, who helps PragerU. Hey, everybody, it's the Ultimate Issues Hour on the Dennis Prager Show, the Tuesday show. Every third hour of every Tuesday is devoted to some great question of life. And this one is completely a result, spontaneous eruption, as a result of comments I made at the end of the last hour. I never, ever thought I would have this as a subject. I never have with all the many subjects that I've had on the Ultimate Issues Hour, I want to talk to you about the existence of the diabolical, or if you will, the devil. So I don't want to talk to you about this theologically, so uh, don't call up with regard to your religious faith, yes or no, on, on the issue of the devil. Uh, so I am raising this as a rational explanation for some spectacularly irrational things that are happening. There, there are levels of irrational evil. See, there's rational evil. You, you hold up a store that's, that's not diabolical because we all understand They covet it, they want it, they think they can get away with it, they steal it. We understand many murders, not all. But there are certain eruptions of evil that make no sense. to the fact that Paul Kengor uh, uh, Sean, we just went back to an echo. So, he has brought my attention to the fact that Karl Marx frequently cited a line attributed to the devil in the great work Faust by the German writer Goethe. Mephistopheles is the, is the diabolical figure in Goethe and said that that's, that's diabolical. diabolical. That That is not a function of, I want your money, so I, I, I rob you. That's not diabolical. It's evil, but it's not diabolical. Diabolical is when you have entered the realm of nihilism, of sheer destruction, almost for its sake. And I am seeing that in America today. I read to you, and it shook me up. It shook me up. I mean, it should shake you up. That the organization in the United States that is entrusted with the welfare of children is an advocate of ruining children's lives 
in the name of gender affirmation. For you yesterday, a woman, again, again, we're having this, Sean. Do you have any idea why that uh, that is happening? Hmm. Okay, it's uh, I'm broadcasting from Phoenix, and sometimes things happen. So, please bear with me as I have to bear with it. So, I played for you yesterday the comments of a woman. What was she at the Yale Center? What is what is the name? Do you have the name there, Sean? Or Alan, do you have the name of the organization at Yale University, which is a cesspool? Yale Yale has become a cesspool. It it is mired in PD she's a representative of Yale's pediatric program. Wow. pediatric gender program, fine. So when I played this for you yesterday, I said this is a bad woman. Now, if you watch her, and you can if you see this on the Salem Podcast Network, sorry, pays it, what is it, uh, Salem Podcast Channel or a network? It's like, okay. I feel bad. I get it wrong half the time. Salem News Channel. So you can see her. This is not a woman who wakes up in the morning and says, how can I destroy children's lives? She's, she's a spokesman for a group that does. But she doesn't want to do that. These people at Yale or or the... Or Boston Children's Hospital, Pittsburgh Children's Hospital, they they don't want to hurt children. They actively do so, and there is no reason for, there's no rational basis. A bank holdup has a rational basis. This destruction of children does not have a rational basis. She's a Ph.D. in adolescent psychology. So I I have come, I'm not affirming it. I am just telling you that I have come at this late stage of my development to entertain the possibility of the diabolic. And the cause that has done it uh, is this what they're doing to children, castrating children, manipulating children into ruining their lives to make believe that they're not what they're born, a boy or a girl. This is diabolic, my friends. Listen to this woman. I'm a clinical psychologist by training, and I am the director of the Yale Gender Program, which is an interdisciplinary program 
working with gender expansive individuals, 3 to 25, and their families. We um, help individuals who are questioning their gender identity or who identify as transgender or non-binary. We help them with their gender journey, um, thinking through that, thinking through the risks and the benefits of uh, medical intervention, uh, starting medical intervention, um, and also building supports around them. And I love what I do, so it's really, really wonderful to, to be working in this field and to be working with individuals who are gender diverse and gaining their support and helping them on their gender journeys. From the age of three, you heard that? That's that's what you call diabolic. Precisely because she comes across as sincere as she does, you have to believe that there is almost a you're you're let's you don't have to. You are tempted to believe that there is an evil force in the universe that moves otherwise decent people to do such evil, what they are doing to children uh, is uh, is a phenomenon. It is just a phenomenon. It is being stopped everywhere, but in America, the the interesting uh, interesting thing about it, there is. Uh, let me see. There was another piece on this very subject that I wanted to bring to your attention, where they write. Describe well what is happening. Let's see here. UK says no to you, you, you to the surgeries. I'll get it for you because it's it's a dramatic statement. They ask a question in this other piece: Where else in life are healthy humans having their bodies mutilated? There is no example of it. The only example is the, uh, the the clitoridectomies done in parts of the Muslim world. A healthy girl's clitoris is cut off. Now we have this in the West. How much more? I want to remind you about Hillsdale College. Go to PragerForHillsdale.com, one of the only colleges in the country that doesn't take government funds. Government funds is corrupting. End of issue. When you take government funds, the government tells you what you can teach, what you should teach. Hillsdale doesn't accept a penny from the government. They have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people taking their free courses. Millions get their their monthly digest in Primus. I'll be speaking there this year, by the way. Let you know about that. It's a big deal. Go to PragerForHillsdale.com. They simply would like you to know what they're doing. PragerForHillsdale.com. This is the Ultimate Issues Hour. It's an issue I've never covered, ever, on the Ultimate Issues Hour. There would be no reason for me to do so. Does the diabolical really exist? See, there are many forms of evil, and when something is pure evil and it has no rational basis, then I entertain the possibility of the diabolical. 
Hitler's extermination of the Jews was diabolical. There was no rational reason to kill every Jewish man, woman, and baby. It, uh, if there was a devil, that's what the devil would have wanted him to do. I'm not comparing, obviously. I'm just giving you another example. So let me read to you from this piece in the Washington Examiner. We need to be explicit about what's happening right now. Trans activists, medical professionals, and ideologues who promote and defend gender-affirming care are advocating the chemical castration and physical mutilation of vulnerable persons. They can try to tie it up with a ribbon and make it sound as pretty as they like, but that's what it is. Another accurate term for it is medical malpractice. In no other part of the medical world is it considered acceptable or even legal to damage the body of a healthy person irreversibly. For example, if a young person to a hospital and asks for liposuction, no one in their right mind would grant her request. If a mentally ill man who identifies as an amputee asks a doctor to amputate his perfectly functioning arm to match his identity, every self-respecting surgeon will send him away. And that's because medical professionals swear an oath to do no harm, to preserve and protect and heal a person's body as best as they can, in spite of any delusions the person may be experiencing. And yet they violate that oath every time they promote gender-affirming care as a solution for what is clearly an unhealthy delusion. That's right. As I ended the last segment, the only other place I know of where healthy Part, a healthy part of the body is removed for an irrational reason is clitoridectomies in the Muslim world. This is what we now have in our modern world at Yale, at Harvard-linked Boston Children's Hospital and many other children's hospitals. The American Academy of Pediatrics is for this. At Yale, they they teach uh, boys how to tuck their penis to make it look like a vagina. Okay. So I look at this, and I I see people who do not wake up saying, I want to do evil. And I think, well, there must be a force that is compelling them. They can't be just fools. It's beyond foolish to do this with children, with even with adolescents. It's we have way, way past foolishness and gone into irrational evil, which I associate now with the diabolical, if not actually with the devil himself. Okay.
in uh, Philadelphia. Hello, Peter. Hey, Dennis. Listen, you have to make a distinction between gender-affirming care and surgery and a distinction between children and adults. Okay, you keep saying children are being mutilated, but you've presented a lot of videos of people talking about therapy and care and reversible medical management, but not surgery. In my experience as a pediatrician, it's very, very rare that anybody will do this surgery on a child, and you've certainly presented no evidence of that. So to, the, right. to entertain so, uh, the possibility okay. of the diabolic based on somebody getting a medicine that's reversible, to me, seems like overkill. Mm-hmm. So if a three-year-old wears mo- boy wears mommy's shoes and the parents say, I think he's a girl, what do you think Yale's response should be? You had an interview from a Ph.D. They can't operate on any. All I'm saying, Dennis, is there is no operations going on. on oh, you sat. No, no, no. Be, 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 answer me. Answer me, and I'll answer you. I don't know the answer. What should? I have no oh, idea you don't? Answer. Okay, yeah, that's honest. Okay, that's okay. That's honest and pathetic. You're a pediatrician and don't know an answer to that question. Okay, I have not said that they. Uh, I say children because I think of an 18 year old as a child. Okay, I also said adolescent. I didn't say that they uh, castrate. If I did, I misspoke. Okay, they don't castrate 11 year olds. That is correct. And I'm very. It's very important. The truth is number one. But it is very sad to me. Three year old wears mommy's shoes. Mommy says he's a girl, and and the pediatrician who called doesn't have an answer. What Yale should say. You know what they should say? He's a boy, and there's something wrong with you, Mom, that you've come here to begin with. There's really something wrong with you. You are a troubled parent. That's what they should say. You want to do gender-affirming? There's sex. That's gender-affirming. A 25-year-old says he's a girl? Fine. Separate issue. An 11-year-old, a 14-year-old, you affirm their sex. Gender is a made-up term in any event. And we've all bought it. That was a pediatrician who called. By the way, I I would uh, take a call again from Peter, the pediatrician, on another day. You can call in on Friday, for example. Open, Open line even though I don't like to take the same caller within a week or two. I can only say how depressing it is for a pediatrician, person that parents trust to do the best for their children, would answer, I don't know. When I asked him, what would you like Yale to do when, if a parent says they're a three-year-old is wearing mommy's shoes. I I think I think uh, he's a, a female. He was honest. We we really we I the subject is the devil actually this ultimate issues hour because I can't explain this completely nihilistic lie 
of little kids being helped by grown-ups to quote-unquote transition to the other sex. You can't transition to the other sex. You can live a life as if you are a member of the other sex. Of course, that's a fact. You can, but you are not the other sex. But that's 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 not even the, the major subject. I would not participate in the uh, in the removal of a healthy female female's breasts because she said she's a boy. She can find another surgeon to do it. There's nothing I can do to stop it. But I played for you a woman from the Yale. What was it? What was the name, Sean? The Yale. Oh God, uh, pediatric. Gender pediatric, whatever. Yeah, pediatric gender program. I was close. Yes, we we help from three years old, three year olds on. And the Boston Children's Hospital said from virtually birth, they know they're transgender from birth. So this fraud being perpetrated on kids. And he said that all oh, these, uh, this not surgery, these are re- reversible hormones that are given to them. Why don't you, any of you, gig- Google, Google, which is not on our side, can gender blockers do permanent harm? Well, they found in England, everywhere but America, and it's an odd thing that the devil is only working on America, but it's not that odd because America... If America goes down, so does the world. Long-term, long-term study by the United Kingdom's leading facility for treating gender dysphoric children, that means gender dysphoria as you think you're the other sex, found contrary to common beliefs about puberty-blocking drugs, the majority of children who take them do not resume puberty. As recently as this last December, a preprint preprint of the study from the Tavistock and Portman National Health Service Foundation Trust, all but one child treated for gender dysphoria with puberty-blocking drugs went on to take cross-sex hormones to alter their sex characteristics permanently. The study also showed that children's bone density and normal growth flatlined with puberty blockers as compared to their peers. And participants reported no improvements in their psychological well-being. The findings support a growing body of evidence showing the harm and irreparable damage of experimental medical treatments for children with gender dysphoria. The UK High Court issued a landmark ruling on December 1 requiring doctors to seek a court order before administering puberty-blocking drugs on children under 16. The plaintiff, Kira Bell, 23 years old, argued the Tavistock Center did not adequately warn her as a teenager of the irreversible damages of such hormone treatments. The judges said doctors failed to provide adequate scientific basis for the treatment or explain their long-term effects on children. 
They also chastised the center for its lack of record-keeping, including tracking the proportion of children who go on to take cross-sex hormones. And in schools in America, in districts all over the country, they don't tell parents when they start calling their son by a girl's name or their daughter by a boy's name. It looks diabolic to me. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.